So we'll be at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 here. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27 to 31. And we're continuing on with our Body Life series, Unity in the Body, part two here. And unity is the issue. In order to have a unified body, we need to be healthy members. So Paul is going to give us a spiritual uh, uh, a checkup today, in a sense, as we are all used to getting physicals and physical checkups. Paul is going to give us a physical checkup today. The more healthier the members are, the individual members are, the more united we're going to be as a church family. And so um, Corinthian church, just a little review, was very diverse very diverse in their backgrounds. There's Jews and Gentiles. There's ethnic diversity. There's cultural diversity. There's social economic diversity. This is what the church looked like. Different levels of education. Different religious backgrounds that the Corinthians were coming out of. And so they had a lot of challenges because of diversity. But Paul was calling them to be unified. And they had diverse gifts. And because of their religious backgrounds, some of the Corinthians elevated certain spiritual gifts above others, like speaking in tongues. That was a high elevated gift. And so since Cor- Corinth was a status-driven church, division took place. Because the more you had these distinctives, the more separation took place between body parts in the church. So... Today, Paul sums up chapter 12, and I believe he has a specific word, a word for each and every single member of the church here. So let's rise, if you would. We do this, brothers and sisters and guests, to honor the Word of God, to constantly remind us that the Word of God is absolutely central in the life of the church. So 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31. God's Word says this, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? Verse 31, crescendos, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to be faithful to your word. I pray your spirit will allow us to preach your word faithfully. So thank you, Father. I pray your spirit will allow us to understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. Unity in the body, part two. This is a sermon title. This is the second part of unity. And today we're going to uh, focus in on spiritual health of every member of our church. Brothers have been exhorting me, so I'm sorry, brothers, uh, who've been exhorting me. I could see you guys out there in the congregation. Rocky, have you gotten your physical yet this year? No, I haven't. In coaching... The doctors were there, and I was get physicals all the time. They were just, I just show up in their clinic, right in our facilities. They check me up, get my blood. They even throw me in a scanning room if they wanted to scan me, and everything right there. It's a little bit harder now. I got to actually schedule my own appointments these days and show up at the doctor's appointment. So I haven't done that, brothers. I'm sorry, but I remember 
God willing, when I'll get this next physical, I remember the doctor would start feeling my body parts, making sure I'm nice and secure. They used to thump my body. They used to hear my lungs. They used to listen to my, uh, my, my chest, to listen to my heartbeat. They used to ask me a lot of questions. Coach, what is your health history like? How much are you exercising? What is your eating like today? What is your dieting like? Are you resting? So they used to ask me all these things and give some self-assessment. And so they'll kind of give me a, a diagnosis. Then you're pretty good or you need to watch this. Your cholesterol is a little high. They will tell me these things to kind of help me, give me an assessment of my health. Because we could get running and running and coaching. You're going constantly. You're active. You're running around. You think you're healthy because you're hanging out with a bunch of healthy guys. But coaches are getting older, right? <laughs> so they would give me an assessment. So today, Paul is giving us a spiritual examination. And the life and the health of the church is only summed up in the health in the individual members of our church. So we need to take a look at ourselves to see how spiritual healthy am I. So the the question I'm going to be answering is, am I a healthy member of the body of Christ? Am I a healthy member of the body of Christ? And I'll give you the four points. A healthy member is committed to the local church of Christ. Number two, I like to give the points ahead of time if you're a guest so you can kind of follow along. A healthy member is committed to the word of Christ. Number three, a healthy member is committed to the gifts of Christ, spiritual gifts. And a healthy member is committed to the heart of Christ. So let's get to the first point. Let's give ourselves a examination. Paul's the doctor through the word of God here. And I want us to really think about some of these things that Paul is asking us through the, through the Bible here at 1 Corinthians 12. What is a healthy member of the body of Christ look like? A, a healthy member is committed to the local body of Christ. Fill in the blank, local body of Christ. Verse 27 starts off, says this, Now you are Christ's body. So every single Christian is part of the body of Christ. Meaning, as Pastor Hugo talked about, whether it's a Spanish-speaking brother or sister, Chinese-speaking brother or sister, Japanese-speaking brother or sister, English-speaking brother or sister, whether you live in North America, South America, Africa, Australia, wherever you are, Asia, you are part of the universal body of Christ. And how you know you're there is this. Perhaps you're visiting and you're wondering, how do I become a body, uh, part of the body of Christ? Have you placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again for our sins? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus Christ rose again to prove that he is Lord of all? He's the one that we're going to be worshiping in heaven. He is the one that we follow. Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you have, you are part of the member of the body of Christ universally. All right? But I want us to really take a look at more at the local level. I know that there's brothers and sisters in Africa, and we pray for them. 
We even support some of the ministries there. But on a day-to-day basis, we do not interact with every single body part in the world. However, the Lord has designed it for us to interact with one another at the local church level. So let me read on verse 27. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Right. This is where at the local church level we're we're jointed with one another. This is where we work with one another. This is where we feel one another. This is where we're able to exhort and admonish one another. This is where we're able to love on one another and serve one another. So my question here is this. Are you a committed member of the local church of Christ? Specifically here at Evergreen SGV. Healthy members are firmly committed to the local church. All right, that means that you're jointed. Ephesians 4, 16, just read that on your own. It talks about how when body parts are jointed with one another, we're able to build each other up. This is where how we're jointed with one another. We're able to feel one another. See, the church is not a theoretical thing. I know there's some brothers and sisters out there. The church is very practical. Where we're able to touch and feel one another and serve one another. And I get it. Commitment could be something that's challenging in our culture, but specifically more today. I mean, we're in a season of transition. I transitioned to serve as a senior pastor two years ago. In May, of, uh, 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 two years ago in 2019, I, I got to transition and serve as a seat, senior pastor of this church. And most of that time has been under COVID, right? I mean, think about that. So we've been under transition, and plus we've been going through COVID-19, where I believe the Lord is shaking things up in, in, internally, but also at the church level. I've asked all my pastor friends and church leaders, every single one of them, church, pastors who are heading up churches and their leaders, how has it been during this time? And all of them have the similar response. You know what they said? Rocky, our church is in transition. People have been transitioning in. People have been transitioning out. Things are not the same anymore. Every single pastor is feeling it. I know I'm feeling it. I know your pastors are feeling it. We're very aware of this. And in some ways, it makes a lot of sense. Think about it. For over a year, for some of us, We've been doing online church. And everyone's doing online church. Praise be to God. So you have more of an opportunity to kind of check out other churches, right? It's easier. So it's very natural to look around and say, hey, what else is out there? I get that. That makes a lot of sense. And we've made some adjustments, you know, since, you know, because of COVID, we've had to make some adjustments in how we do worship and other things. We've made mainly adjustments based on the theme of discipleship. What is going to help advance discipleship at Evergreen? We've made adjustments. Partnering with Pastor Hugo, that's an adjustment. We're trying to reach out to the Spanish-speaking community around us. That's a huge adjustment. I get it. So this is a season of transition, and I think the, providentially the Lord has His Word at a, 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-seven. To encourage the church, are you a committed member of the local church? 
And for our church, just to give you an assessment, we're quite aware. Some people have transitioned out of our church family. Long-time members. Some newer members. And we understand. We understand. Now, this could be challenging. It's challenging for me on a personal level. Very challenging. Humbling me. Very humbling in that regard. However, there's been encouragement the other way, where new people have been coming to our church. That fires me up. That fires up the pastors. What an encouragement that is. Even as I look out, I see some new faces out there that's joined us during this COVID-19 year. Praise be to God. Therefore, as a leader, as a leader, this is one of the things that we need to do, is we need to know who is with us, right? We need to be aware that this is not like a, a kind of an optional thing. We need to know who's with us. So we've been working on our church membership. We've been developing and talking to other church leaders. What is church membership all about? And so we've been working at elevating the meaning of church membership. And church membership is different from like having a membership at Costco, all right, or at Planet Fitness or our gym here that we work out at or any country club, or anything like this. Church membership, the meaning of church membership is this. You're joining a team who's very serious about a common theme of discipleship. This is the reason why you want to join the local church. Not just to say I'm part of a membership, but just to know also there's a functional value to that. And that's, in other words, the value of membership is this, that it is the cauldron. Hear me now. Think of a big pot. This is the cauldron where we get to mix with one another so that discipleship is taking place. And let me explain why. Church membership is like defining the relationship with one another. We need to know, okay, are you in or are you out? How serious am I going to be about providing soul care for those of us who consider Evergreen SGV their home? That's very important that we figure this out. Because unless you agree to that, it's really not fair for me or others to kind of come to you as a shepherd because you never actually agreed that the church leadership is overseeing your souls. And let me give you an example. This is a church, part of the church covenant that uh, we read off at our year ago when we had our in-person church uh, uh, gathering or church uh, membership meeting. And this is kind of the commitment that the church gives to its members. All right. Let me read some of this church covenant of Evergreen SGV. And we're working to develop this even more. This is the commitment from the church to the members. We will love you through prayer, fellowship, and a commitment to study the word of God together. We will rejoice when you rejoice and mourn when you mourn. We will, sh- we will shepherd you, pray for you, provide vision, pastoral care, and counseling, biblical admonishment, and correction. We will equip you by preaching and teaching God's word faithfully, by modeling Christ-likeness, and by providing opportunities for training and service. This is the commitment. We're defining the relationship. Now, from the member's commitment to the church, I will commit myself, this is the member, to personal growth in Christ so that I can discover the gifts and talents given to me by God. As my spiritual gifts and natural talents unfold, I will use them to edify the church family, to serve and to love those around me, and to fulfill the great commission locally and globally. All right, that's a commitment from the members to the church. 
Commitment number two, I commit myself to faithfully and generously giving to the work of ministry at Evergreen SV and as the Lord leads me, financial support of the local church. Number three, I commit myself to faithfully pursuing God through Bible study and prayer, worshiping God with church family, serving through the ministries of Evergreen SGV, fellowshipping with others within my church family, and serving my immediate family as prescribed by the scripture. This is ministering your spiritual gifts to one another and to your relational uh, uh, currency with one another. Finally, fourthly, I commit myself to submitting to the leadership and vision of the church family, promoting church unity, accepting biblical church discipline. That's interesting. How can we discipline someone if they're not even in the church, right? That just makes sense. It's hard to excommunicate somebody if they're not even part of it, right? So church discipline is tied into membership and praying for the church leadership and vision. This is just a quick little overview. What is a What does it mean to be a member at Evergreen SGV? So if you're a f- church family member that's firmly committed, praise be to God. You're probably in a healthier state. You're settled. This is my home. You know, we're in transition, but you know what? I'm in. These are my people. This is my family. This is the work that God's called them to be part of. I'm in. However, if you're not sure, you're probably in an unsettled state, which is totally understandable because you're not quite sure who your, where your spiritual home is. You may not be quite sure where your, who your spiritual family is. You might not quite sure who's going to give you spiritual oversight and care over your souls. There's no real accountability. There's no, there's no accountability that, that the local church is giving to you. And, we're, and you're not quite sure where your long-term investments are going to be before you get to heaven. Right? So I can understand that. So healthy commitments actually leads to greater unity. You can see how that works. It's very common sense right there. And I love how Paul makes that. So my question to you, you got to make your own self-assessments. When the doctor asks you, what is your exercise habits like, your eating habits like? You need to make that assessment. Am I committed to the local church at Evergreen SGV? Our desire is that you would be, but if you're not, our desire is for you to be committed at a good Bible teaching church where Christ is lifted up all the time. Okay, so that's number one. Let's go to number two. I'm going to spend most of my time at point number two, and then three and four will be quicker. What is a healthy member of the body of Christ? A healthy member is committed to the word of Christ. I got a question for you guys. If you're thinking about your physical health, just your physical health, what do you think is the most important factor? Your diet? Your exercise? Or how much you rest? So you don't have to answer out loud. You could if you want. But inside, which one of these three would you select to to drastically change your, your health and fitness, your nutrition or your diet, how much you exercise or what you exercise, and how much rest you get. I've talked to my, my people, my experts, you know, because this is the world that I used to be in. They would all say what you eat. If you want to have one drastic impact on your life, exercise is definitely good. We definitely need to rest. You all need all three, but if you want to have the greatest impact immediately, Adjust your diet. That's what it is. So, I want to ask this question. Based on this, you are what you eat, are you not? Right? Garbage in, garbage out. Any programmer understands this. 
Matt, uh, let me look at verse 28. And God is appointed. God is appointed. Right? Look how much our Lord loves us. God himself appointed certain offices to feed and care for our nutrition of our church. God is appointed. This means he arranged the parts. This is a very, a very calculated thing by our God in his infinite wisdom. And he's drafted certain offices to care for the nutrition of, our, of the church. And this, keep in mind now the context of when 1 Corinthians 12 was written is this. The New Testament hasn't been developed yet. Meaning they had the Old Testament Bible, but they didn't have the New Testament Bible. Keep this in mind. This is a very important thing to factor in. He says this, And God has appointed, verse 28, in the church, first apostles, second prophets, and third teachers. First, second, third. He's talking about three different offices here, brothers and sisters. And why does Paul say first, second, and third? I believe there's a chronological order because this is what came first, the apostles. Then this is what came next, the office of the prophets, and then teachers. But also, I think there's a, a, a authority order there too because whoever came first established the fundamental teaching of the Bible. Okay, so the apostles, first apostles, apostolos, this is the original language in the Greek. Apostolos. This simply means sent out one. These are special delegates who carry the authority of the sender. These are special delegates during the time of the early church. And who are these people? This word apostolos, this is a helpful thing for me to study. 79, 79, 79 times the word apostolos was used. All right, and 75 out of 79, you do the math, there's a high percentage, 75 out of the 70 time, they refer to the 12 disciples plus Paul. This is a unique set of men that God handpicked to fill the office of an apostle. Perhaps there was more with Barnabas and others, but certainly 75 out of 79 times refers to the 12 disciples, excluding Judas, Matthias took his place, plus Paul the apostle. Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 1, 1 says, Paul called as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so Paul was very special. He's the one that brought the gospel to Corinth for the first time. So how did Paul and the other 12 be, fill the office of an apostle? Well, number one, in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, Paul says he saw the resurrected Lord. Anyone who would fill the office of an apostle needed to see the resurrected Lord. It needed to be firsthand knowledge that Christ has risen. Number two, Acts 9 talks about also how the Lord interacted with Paul, but Paul was personally commissioned by Christ himself. Those who, are in the, who hold the office of apostleship have been personally commissioned by Christ where today we may send off missionaries or commission pastors and where God uses men and the church to affirm this. Jesus didn't use any man. Jesus himself handpicked Paul to be an apostle. Number three, Galatians 1, 11 and 12, if you're taking notes, says that apostle was personally trained by Christ. This is where Paul said, I didn't learn the gospel from another man. I didn't learn this from Peter or any of the apostles in Jerusalem. I learned this from Christ himself. And then thirdly, the apostles were empowered by Christ to do miracles. Second 
Corinthians 12, 12 says that they, apostles could do signs and wonders and miracles to authenticate that they were apostles. Now, the office of apostleship is closed. All these people are in heaven with the Lord right now, okay? This is a very special time in the life of the church where there was no New Testament Bible available for brothers and sisters to read. And their role was to lay down the foundation about the truth of who Christ is. That's what their role was. And they were giving new revelation from God. Now, second, let's move on. Second prophets, the office of prophets. Prophets, what's in a, a prophet? In essence, a prophet is someone who speaks forth for God. Right? This is a man or woman that could speak divine truth, new revelation. And keep in mind again, no New Testament Bible available at the time. So the apostles will teach something, right? And then the prophets would come along at the local church level and provide more depth to that teaching. So they built upon the work of the apostles. Who were the prophets? These were recognized men who would do this in the local church. And they built upon it. They were accountable to their authority, which is the apostles. They could not contradict the apostolic teaching. And so some would say that the apostles kind of had a broader influence. Like they set the doctrinal uh, convictions of the church where the prophets, the office of prophets, they, they applied those teachings to the issues of the local church, for, for perhaps uh, just like in Corinth here. So the office of a, a prophet these are the qualifications or the standards of a prophet. That means that their word, the, the word of the prophet, number one, was consistent with God's word. They could not contradict the apostolic teachings or the Old Testament teachings. That's found in Deuteronomy 13. The prophets needed to be consistent with God's word. Number two, the prophet's character needed to be consistent with God's word. Matthew 7, 15, Jesus says this. You could tell the false prophets. How? By their, what? Fruit. That's right. Look at their lives. Are they living consistent, consistently with God's standards? Not perfectly, but consistently. All right? Jesus says, you, they'll, you, you'll know them by their fruit. Thirdly, the predictions of the prophets needed to be consistent like God's word. They need to be 100% true. Deuteronomy 18 talks about a prophet's predictions must be 100% accurate. And really the main portion of the prophet's role in the New Testament, as I studied it, was really to teach God's word. The predictive element, there's a few, like in Acts 11, Acts 21, Agabus predicting a famine in Jerusalem, Agabus predicting that Paul will be bound up in Jerusalem. There's a few predictive elements to being a prophet, but really the main thing was really mainly about laying down, establishing God's word. <clears throat> this office is closed today. Official prophets, they, there are no more new revelation for the church today. We have the New Testament Bible established no need for the prophets to exist today. Now, what they did was this. If you look at Ephesians 2.20, Brother Paul, Lou read this for us, Ephesians 2.20. It says this, The church is built upon the foundation of who? Having been built on the foundation of who? 
the apostles and the prophets. What does that mean? That means that the apostles and the prophets were used to write the New Testament. This is how this works. This is where authority lies in the scriptures. So the third group that would come, the third office still is in existence. Third, God-appointed teachers. Who are the teachers today in the local church? They're recognized teachers in the church. It could be your pastors. It could be others who are leading uh, uh, adult education. These are recognized people who are teaching the word of God to the local church. So this office exists. The office of apostleship is closed. The office of prophet is closed. But the office of teacher is still open. And people like me, I fill that office. We don't have any new revelation for you. If someone tells you, I got a new revelation for you, turn and run. They, there, are, there is no new revelation we're bound to the authority, like we said, there's an authority structure. One is the apostles under Christ, and then the prophets, and then there are the teachers. We are bound by teaching the scriptures. So brothers and sisters, if you're ever up here listening to the teachers or the preachers, if it, it isn't consistent with God's word, red flag. right? You are counting on us, you're holding us accountable to teach and preach the Bible. We're, we're completely submitted to Christ this way. This is how Christ rules his church. Now, what has this got to do with the health of the church member? Proper diet leads to health, right? This, isn't that how we start off this section here? We need to be able to eat well. And we cannot be, our diet cannot be filled with a bunch of fried food and potato chips and just drinking milk all day, right? We need to eat meat. We need to eat substantial food to grow our physical bodies. And we need to grow in one area, I believe. Tabidi Anyabwele, he's an he's a author of a book called What is a Healthy Church Member? And he writes this, we, healthy church members are, that's, I like that, I saw somebody flexing over there, thank you. <laughs> are expositional listeners. What does that mean? Being an expositional listener is this. Expositional listening is listening for the meaning of a passage. Of Scripture and accepting that meaning as the main idea to be grasped for our personal and corporate lives as Christians. So right now, as we look at 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31, you're asking yourself, am I getting the main gist of what this is saying? What is Paul trying to communicate to the church at Evergreen? And then will I submit to that? Expositional listeners. We're growing in this idea. It's like, is this jive with what Scripture is saying? What's being preached and proclaimed? So this is a very important factor. I know I spent a lot of time because this is the number one factor in determining your spiritual health. Are we being fed correctly? Are you eating a diet of a strong word of Christ? Daily, obviously from the pulpit, but on your own. Are you feeding yourself? So am I, a commit, am I committed to the word of Christ? When we feed on God's word, that actually makes us healthier and that actually unifies us. The final two points will go fairly quickly here. What does a healthy member of the body of Christ look like? A healthy member is committed to the gifts of Christ. Now, I said it earlier, diet is critical. It's the number one factor to kind of help our health, but exercise is important too, okay? 
Exercise is important too. You need them all. It is if you have to rank them. So if you're eating, 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 and not exercising, what happens? It's not a good thing. Let me give you an illustration of what happens. The Dead Sea. Why do they call it the Dead Sea? Because it's everything and it's dead. Somebody said here, Troy, thank you. Because it's dead. And do you know why the Dead Sea is dead? It's dead because of this. The Jordan River, which is the main river in Israel, feeds the Dead Sea. It has a lot of input. But you know what? How much output? Zero output. That's what happens when you just take in and take in and take in and take in and there's no output. You end up dying. Just like any human body. You could just eat, 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 have no physical movement. That, that's going to lead to problems. So verse 28 here at the end says this. God appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Verse 29 and 30 talks about how no parts are all the same. Right? So what is Paul saying here? Paul is not giving an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts here. There's no way he could. He just gives a sampling of some of these. In essence, are you ministering? Are you exercising your spiritual muscles or spiritual gifts to edify the church? That's another way to tell if you're spiritually healthy. If you're not, you may be taking in, but that's kind of an oxymoron, right? If you're taking in God's word, I don't know how you, as a Christian, I don't know how you could have any output. This is where the Lord is saying, am I committed to exercising the gifts of Christ? We'll get more into uh, tongues and prophecy in chapter 14. We'll cover that. But this is not meant to be an exhaustive thing here by Paul. Are you exercising your spiritual muscles as you're fed? Let's go to the final point. What is a healthy member of the body of Christ? A healthy member is committed to the heart of Christ. Verse 31 says, But earnestly desire the greater gifts. And this is, a, this is the crescendo. We'll spend, there's a whole chapter on this coming up next week. And I show you a still more excellent way, above and beyond better, exceedingly better, amazingly better. John 13, 34, 35 says this, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. How you love one another, that's how they'll know you that you're, you're my disciples, the Lord says. One of the biggest things that happens in the health check is the, the heart. They'll listen to your heart, you know, because the heart needs to be healthy. Because we've all heard of stories where a, a fit athlete, just muscular, trained, Young falls over dead. These are very tragic and sad situations. So for the church, we could be absolutely committed to the local church. We could be fed and have right doctrine in our minds. We could be even serving our gifts. But if we don't have the heart of Christ, if we don't have the heart of Christ, which is love for one another, we are unhealthy. We're not alive because the heart is the is the muscle that moves the blood in our body to care for the various body parts, taking away waste, giving nutrients, giving oxygen, all that throughout our body to care for every single body part. So if that heart isn't pumping, 
It's not caring for the body. So if you have love for the body, you'll be praying for the body. If you have love for the body, you'll be serving one another. If you have love for the body, you'll be interested in fellowshipping with one another. It makes sense, right? Am I committed to the heart of Christ? Love absolutely unifies. Love is the glue that keeps unity together. Even when things get tough, even when things are in transition, love is like that spiritual glue that keeps us together, unified. And this is the crescendo of what we're talking about, love. At the end of the day, is our love for Christ rich? And is our love for Christ the motivation for what we do? And I get it. It's a very challenging time. It's been challenging for us pastors too. We're first sheep before we're pastors. We're, we're sheep just like everybody else here. Although we got a unique role to minister the word of God. And I know that the enemy, as we move to, in this direction of discipleship and even, get even tighter and tighter, 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 the devil in, in his world doesn't want this. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be hardships. Everything. The more faithful we are to the word, the more targets that we have on our back, the more bullseyes that we have on us. Because if we weren't faithful, it wouldn't matter. The more faithful that we get, the more of a threat we are to the kingdom of darkness, the greater attention the darkness gives to the light. So this next song, I really, Pastor Victor and I picked this out. It's a classic. It's called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. This is written by Martin Luther. This is a classic hymn known by perhaps the universal church. The words are rich. The words talk about how the enemy, how Satan, how the devil, how the world is scheming against the church. But a, a mighty fortress is our God. We're safe. We're secure. Jesus says, I will build my church. We have nothing to worry about. He will not fail us. So let's sing with our hearts, all of our hearts to the Lord right now. I'm going to pray right now, and Pastor Victor is going to get up here to lead us as our choir director. So let's sing unto the Lord. But let me just pray a prayer of response. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to be committed members of Evergreen SGV. Father, help us to feed on your word, Lord, corporately and also individually. Lord, help us to be committed to exercising our spiritual muscles, the gifts that you've given us. Help us to be committed to your heartbeat, Lord. Grow our love for you and for one another, for your church family here. So, Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would bless you will be blessed by these songs, Lord, that you will be honored and we will be able to edify one another. We will teach and admonish one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We will be able to sing our hearts out because you are a mighty fortress. We have no one to fear. So, Father God, we thank you for this Lord's Day. Thank you for the opportunity to come together to worship you to, and to also to encourage one another. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.